0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Chelner. The podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating those people who keep this country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisation and to support them in the same way they support their staff every single day of the week. If you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, please go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Joining me on the programme today on a cloudy autumn day here in the capital is Sarah Abel. Sarah runs TNB Skills Training, a private training provider based in Folkestone, Kent. Uh, Sarah, very warm welcome to yourself and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you as well for having me on. It's a real pleasure welcoming you onto the airwaves. Um, Normally at this point in the programme, we tend to dive straight into the subject of leadership. But considering the ongoing COVID-19 situation that's sort of blighted all of us throughout 2020, I feel it's appropriate that we start there, Sarah. Um, It's been such a challenge, hasn't it, for leaders within all walks of life. But for yourself as a private training provider, to what extent has all of this affected things for you?
1: Um, I think for us it's just made us take our business predominantly online um, because um, before this, I mean, our main thing is that we deliver um, training, apprenticeships and traineeships which obviously the government are, are pushing at the moment, which is good for us, um, but um, helping young people um, predominantly from 16 to 24 to get into work. Um, and we do that, um, we we actually based really main on hair, nails and beauty, but over the last year it's become much more um, generic so business admin um, retail um, customer service because obviously these young it's become much more difficult for these young people to get a job I mean up to um, I think it would have been February it, it wasn't that difficult for them to find jobs whereas now we've noticed over the last definitely over the last three or four months much more difficult for these young people without um, employability skills, as in that they're in, um, you know, they, they're they actually in a workplace. Um, so that's where it's probably affected us more than anything because obviously we've got to change the way that we deliver our training um, to bring that into and also to work with employers because um, for us, our employers, a lot of our hair and nail duty employers was, were shut down from um, end of March right the way through until. Um, uh, July for hair, but for beauty they only really came back at the end of August, and they are also on that list, um basically to be maybe closed down if we go into another lockdown, like retail and ho- not retail, but like hospitality and um, you know those and leisure, like um, sports and leisure. And um, before this happened, we were also delivering to the gyms, you know, and putting young people into gyms and delivering sport. But that is one thing that we've had to. Because we really gyms are not taking them in because they're for them it's um, they're worried. But with hair and beauty, um, it's something that we they need to be young people going into these um, salons for them to get the next generation. So it's important for them to be able to grow their businesses. So they're able to get access to hair or beauty or nail apprenticeships.
0: And um, with regards to these young people that may be looking on at the impact that COVID is having on the economy and are probably downhearted by what it's doing to their employment prospects, as somebody who specialises in upskilling youngsters, do you have any message of support and motivation for them to really get them to pick up their heads, recognise that there are opportunities out there and really start on the road to success?
1: I I think, yeah, there's definitely, definitely opportunities. I think with the government at the moment, they had a package come out in August um, which actually is um, paying employers grants to be able to take these young people on, so for if they they take them and, it, and because we deliver a traineeship, which is a great way for a young person to get in front of an employer mm-hmm. so that they can actually see the benefits of that young person, and what we tend to do is give them some skills quite quickly um, as part of, of of their course so that the employers actually they're making the employer's money, and that's all the employers are concerned about at the moment is because obviously they're worried that they won't be able to pay them. So if they can actually bring something beneficial to their business, then they're less likely to let that person go. Plus, with the apprenticeship scheme, it is a little bit less paid than normal wage, so it's a great way for employers to actually trial somebody out, upskill them, do you know what I mean, without that massive risk that they might lose them. Plus, they're also getting their wages paid as such. Because the way that the grants work is that I think for a 16 to 18 year old, um, an employer can get up to about £4,000 and a, um, a, a 19 plus, it's another, say another, uh, another £3,000. So that's £3,000 towards their wages, which has definitely, definitely helped us to find um, these placements. And then it's really down to the young person. And we teach them like soft skills, you know, like the soft skills that a lot of them maybe if they've been at school or college have not actually got got, you know like how to speak Mm -hmm. to people how to communicate how to pick up the phone and talk to people just the the day-to-day skills that a lot of young people don't get the chance to be able to do at school because obviously it's not that type of environment so for and also it's great for the employers because the employers then can actually um, train them up in what they need rather than what the training course needs which is a good thing as well so. They do say,
0: don't they, that out of every crisis there does come opportunities. And I think when it comes to training providers like yourself, given that there are so many people out there that will be looking to move into different sectors, given the um, labour market landscape, and there'll be so many people that are looking to upskill as well. There's going to be a big few months for you, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, for us, I mean, to be when it very when COVID very first got announced, I mean. It was like every. I think, we' well, like everybody, you you didn't really understand the impact it was going to have. Uh, luckily for us, we'd already put a plan in place before we went into lockdown. We, we'd already sort of. I think that's probably something that a lot of people hadn't. And what I did was I set up a Facebook group um, for um, salons, which were salons that we already worked with. Sifting and added sort of like the main salons we worked with. Thirty, forty salons, I think we added. But, within I think it was within an hour or not an hour within a week, I had nearly five hundred salons on there that were following us, and then what I would do is do daily lives about all the things that were all everything to do with personal protect PPE because although we've got the government guidelines, um it's really difficult for some people if you're if you're not from a business background it's really difficult to know what those things that they need to put in place so I went on and did those I also told them about the you know like business grants that were available the self employed grants because obviously in our sector hair nails and beauty a lot of people tend to be self-employed as well um and that's grown for us and then obviously that's now we're working predominantly online, whereas before COVID, we were actually going more face-to-face with people going into their salons and speaking to them, whereas now it's much more done online, which has been great because that way that we've been able to spread the word to these employers so that they can get um, these grants, which employers need at the moment. Do you know what I mean? They need to have some kind of income coming in as well. Um, and and having a, a young person to train in their, in their, in their salons, is another way of them producing an income, but also finding a new employee. So, so to be honest, it's been a good thing for. I think all it is is actually looking at COVID and looking at the opportunities mm. that are available, and then, then, then looking how that would fit within your business model. And that's what um, both my, my business partner Julie and I did. We sort of looked at how this could work and changed how we were doing things before. So that then helped us to survive. A um, covid because <laughs> we're back trading mm-hmm. and, and i and i and i know and even we were doing things like online we were like so the young people that were already on our programs we delivered everything online we, we set up um, course, you know, all the training courses we did um, live Microsoft Team uh, meetings with them where they they would come in and be interactive on that. And actually, our our actual retention rate actually went up over COVID because I think people were, were bored, so they had something to do. do you know what I mean? So, in, mm. and then obviously with employers, it was great because we were able to build relationships that much further afield than what we were before because uh, we would only be able to sort of like go to um, our Kent area where now we've been able to build relationships up with people in um, different um, uh, counties all over the UK which is great because that means that they're now bringing young people in that we wouldn't have been able to because they were too far away from us so we're working with those people and training them up to be teachers as well um, online basically.
0: And of course, thinking about um, what the future itself might now hold over the course of the year, the next 12 months, and we don't have a crystal ball, we don't exactly know what's going to happen other than the fact that we're going to have quite a challenging winter coming up. But this time of year, where do you actually see TMB skills training being on the back of all that, Sarah? And what is it that you're really hoping to achieve?
1: Well, we're hoping to grow, um, if I'm really honest with you, because because obviously there's going to be a lot of training needs out there. That is an opportunity for us. Um, and we've just put in for a... Um, a a new contract which the government released um, for traineeships. Whereas before we were subcontracting to another lead provider where now we've gone in for our own contract and because we've got the history of being able to do it, um, I see that we've got a good chance of being able to... um, and we've been successful with it. I mean, our our retention rate and also people with new done employment have been high. So for us, we see that as an opportunity. Um, I, I think with anything, it's always... You, you don't know what's around the corner, but I'm, I'm really a big believer in that you just deal with what you have at that this present time rather than being too concerned about what's going to happen because it can all change. Do you know what I mean? You really don't know. You, and I think mm. as, a, as a leader, one of the most important things to do is to be able to be cool, calm and think, okay, so rather than reactive, if you know what I mean, sit back and think, okay, what can I change to make this? happen um I, you know I know in the hospitality at the moment there's a lot of doubt of what's going to happen and it must be really worrying for those guys um so I suppose it just depends on where you're at and and the type of uh, but there will be opportunities that will come out of that I'm sure mm. you know like everything else but now I, from from our angle training's always going to go up isn't it because people have to re retrain mm. so so that would be a growing opportunity for us as long as we can deliver what we say and, and be ethical about it, I think that will be fine.
0: I think you're very right. And I think it's brilliant to have such a positive attitude towards all of this, because it is really an infectious thing looking at it with uh, from that point of view. And we all do need a dose of it at this point in time with everything that's going on and when morale is a little mm-hmm. bit low. And I think it would be wonderful to start seeing some of those um, visions really coming to fruition, Sarah, over the course of the, uh, the next 12 months. I think, in fact, just given how enlightening it's been having you join us today, it would be wonderful to welcome you back onto the programme in a few months' time just to see how yeah. some of those plans are starting to come along because the scale of that ambition, I, I really do applaud that.
1: Oh, thank you very much. And I would be happy to come on and let you know where we're at.
0: <laughs> that would be wonderful. Um, it really, really would. I've thoroughly enjoyed your company on the programme today, Sarah, for sure. And most importantly, until we do hopefully get to speak again, please do take care and stay safe with all still going on as well. And that goes for everybody involved at TMB Skills Training because we're not quite out Thanks. of the woods yet, but let's just hope no. it won't be too much longer for sure.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you.
0: I would also like to extend that last message there to every single one of our listeners tuning in today as well. Do please look after yourselves, stay well, and do be considerate of others too, because it does make such a difference in saving lives. Um, It was a pleasure for me to welcome Sarah Abel from TMB Skills Training onto today's programme. Next up on the show today, we'll be joined by Matthew O'Neill for his exclusive interview with former Education Secretary and incumbent Leaders' Council Chairman, Lord Blunkett, who enjoyed a distinguished political career despite being blind, from birth. Lord Blunkett held numerous positions in Tony Blair's cabinet during his premiership, as well as serving as the MP for the Sheffield, Brightside and Hillsborough constituency for 28 years. His years of service in politics saw him elevated to the House of Lords back in August 2015. And I do hope that you all enjoy listening just as much as Matthew relished the opportunity to speak with him. That will be coming up next. Lord Blunkett, welcome.
2: Thank you very much. It's very good to be with you. chains and how we would cope. And without, uh, obviously, we've got enough fear and anxiety to last a lifetime without creating even more anxiety. We can think about those things for the future in a more rational way, I think.
3: Now, aside from the physical uh, threat of the virus, one of the things that people are vastly worried about is the effect on uh, the economy, not just national economy, but also the world economy. Um, Now, it it has been said by certain parties, um, and uh, I'd like to garner your uh, thoughts on this. Is there a danger of the effects of the lockdown being even worse than those of the virus?
2: Were it to be prolonged, I fear that that balance would tip the other way. It is about proportionality. It is about balance. It's the wisdom of Solomon really to to get the moment right when you start to move and then to move quickly. There's no doubt whatsoever that we are stocking up, not just on the economic and employment front, which will be devastating enough, but on the health and social well being front, enormous challenges and they will need careful handling because there's a lot of people whose lives for a variety of reasons are at risk in the future on a scale that we've been dealing with over the the immediate handling of the pandemic. Concentrating really hard on those affected by COVID-19 those sadly who have died or been seriously incapacitated. That will roll over into the economic, the social, the mental health and cultural well-being of the nation. And that will need all of us to pull together as well.
3: Absolutely. Now, do you believe the government's doing enough for business?
2: I think that the speed of reaction once the scale of the pandemic was clear was very good. I've praised Ricky Sudat for his action. Uh, remember, a chancellor who had only just come into office structural investment requirements that the government were laying out before and in the March budget. And those will have their consequences as well as a planned payback over many years. I think we've learned something over the last few months. We we needed to take immediate action. We don't want another round of austerity equivalent from 2010 through to 2019. I don't think the nation